listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. Amen. So good to see all of you. I don't know about you, March is just about my favorite time of year. And there is one reason for that, March Madness. Is anybody else with me on this? Okay, I have a couple of fist bumps in the back. If you're a Kentucky fan like me, you know what this is about. The SEC tournament hits Nashville this week. David Njimi, he has no idea what's coming for him in networking in downtown Nashville this week. It's a big blue wave that's going to take over Catsville. That's what it becomes. I know you're all laughing at me, but this is a real thing that we talk about within Big Blue Nation. Um, Y'all, I love March Madness. I love college basketball. I love the upsets. I love the buzzer beaters. I love the Cinderella stories that happen throughout March Madness, right? And I know some of you are, are with me on this. Rachel didn't understand a couple of years into our marriage. She's like, why do you get so excited? Like your team hardly ever wins the whole thing. Like, what do you get so excited about? And then she watched it one time. She was like, oh, I understand now. So this March, when the tournament comes around, if you've never watched it before, you need to start tuning in. But here's one of my favorite things about March that you can all participate in. It's filling out a bracket. Who fills out a bracket but knows nothing about basketball at all? Thank you, Eli. So here's how the brackets work. You can pick a bracket. You can pick who you think's gonna win every single game. I feel real confident every year. I'm like, I pay attention to college basketball all year long. Like I know this sport. This is the year that my bracket's gonna be legit, right? And then games start. And it's like, well, it was maybe next year. Um, The brackets never ever go well. And here's how brackets go. My son, Ford, who was three last year at the time, beat everybody in our family. And I have the proof to show you on the screen. Not only did he beat our family, he beat 96.3% of the rest of the country. (laughs) Here's how Ford picked his bracket. I literally, I walked through the whole thing with him. This was legit. I gave him the matchup. I told him the animal that was playing against each other in every game and he picked an animal. He picked the whole bracket for himself and he ends up picking the champion. How in the world? Does the three-year-old do this? And he would have done even better, except for his dad nudged him to pick the Wildcats to win a few games, of which they did not. Um, But y'all, it's my favorite time of year because there is hope once this tournament begins. No matter how bad the season has gone or how good the season's gone, everybody's on a level playing field. You go win six games, you're the champion. And a few years ago, there was no doubt in my mind that Kentucky was going to win. This was 2015, and you may laugh at me, but here's the deal. We were 38 and 0, 38 and 0, going into the final four. I could tell you for hours how good this team was. There was no doubt in my mind that we were going to win. And you know how this story probably is going to go. We get to the final four, and we find ourselves in the game against, I say we, like I was on the team. It feels like that at times, but, We find ourselves in a game against Wisconsin and what USA, I feel justified by the title of this article that was written about this game. USA Today called it the crescendo of awful tournament officiating. I'm like, yes, yes, it was the crescendo of awful tournament officiating because in this game, I can't even tell you how poorly 
the judges of the game did their job. And the, the crescendo of that was the moment when Wisconsin, towards the end of the game, scores two points to tie the game, gives them some real momentum. And if you look back, this was very clearly, inarguably, a shot clock violation. The ball is still in the guy's hand when the clock is going off. They should have never gotten the two points. Now, maybe that's not the only reason they lost the game, but it's a big reason why they lost the game. And I would make a joke like preachers normally do about how I've clearly gotten over it, but I have not gotten over this at all. In fact, if you, this is not even an exaggeration, I will find myself in my house, like sitting there staring off into space. And I'm thinking about that game in that moment. I just, I cannot, they were so good, y'all. Uh, but here's, here's, I wish I could go back in time and be like, y'all, referees, can we do our job like we're supposed to do it? Like, can we actually pay attention to what's happening in the game? Can we enforce the rules like they're supposed to be enforced? Because the way things ended in that game, and if, the, if, the, if you need any more evidence, this is, I don't know how long this illustration is gonna go on. If you need any more evidence, this, this was the work of the enemy. The Duke Blue Devils win the championship that year. Y'all, that is Satan at work, if we ever, I'm just saying. Um, but the way that season ended felt really unfair to a Kentucky fan and to that team who had worked so hard all along, like, man, this is really how things are gonna end. This is really how things play out in this, what felt like an unfair, uh, unjust way, like college basketball justice was not served in that year. And we probably all, if you're at all into sports or any other realm, you probably have examples that you can think of like that where it felt like something in unjust happened. But those are silly examples, right? We can also all think of ways in real life where things don't feel just or don't feel fair. We see people who are looked down upon. We see people who uh, have less than. We see people that are treated unfairly, right? What do we do when we see these type things in real life? And that's exactly what the teacher in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes is letting us think about tonight. He's letting us give voice to these thoughts of, man, when I see injustice in the world, like what's happening there? Like if there's this God out there who is in control, why do I still see injustice in the world? He allows us to give voice to this thought we have from time to time that, man, justice is meaningless. Like it doesn't seem like it's worth fighting for. Is it worth fighting for? Why don't we see justice in the world? That is what the teacher's letting us think through tonight. So if you will open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3, he gives us, like he has with all of these other topics, he gives us kind of a thesis statement, if you will, to, that's gonna guide all of our thoughts throughout the night. And it's Ecclesiastes 3, verse 16. Here's what the teacher says. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. Let me pray for us as we begin. God, we pray that tonight you might open our eyes to what justice is, how it comes about in a, a healthy, God-honoring way. And Lord, would you help us to see um, the ways that we need to forgive injustices that we've experienced? And would you help us to see ways that we have wronged you? <laughs> and would we seek forgiveness from you, Lord? 
God, we love you. We pray that you might bless the rest of this night. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The first idea that I want you to consider tonight as we talk about justice is just the fact that it is good to desire justice. That's a good thing that we find within us. Now, you're, you're familiar enough with Ecclesiastes at this point, if you've been following along, that you kind of know how this conversation is going to go. He's got some really dark thoughts about justice and where we don't see it and what does it mean for our lives. He's got those dark thoughts. But we also know that on the back end, his conclusion, that's, that's not where he's going to land. So we've we got to wade through the dark thoughts to get to the thoughts that are true of God and true of life. But we all feel this desire for justice. It's something that we're intrigued by. Y'all, how many TV shows are there that are centered around crime, right? We've all watched documentaries. We've all listened to true crime podcasts. Like, we're intrigued by this because we desire justice, right? And I think that, that longing for justice within us, I think God put that there. Like, I think that's a, that's a good thing for us to feel and to long for an example one commentator gave was the feelings that we probably all have um, about the 9-11 attacks. Now, I realize it's bizarre to me, but some of y'all were not alive when that happened. Um, but it feels wrong to us that the people that hijacked those planes and the innocent people that were on the plane suffered the same fate. Like that, that can't be the case, right? The, the, the evil that was done there, they, just, they all died together and that's just it. Like that can't be. And the commentator that I was reading, he said, we can't accept that as a reality because it's not reality. That's why we feel like we can't accept that. It's, y'all, the whole thing, whole thing's pointing us towards Christ. Like there's got to be more to this. There's got to be one who is just. And this, this generation that you're a part of, whether you're, you know, tail end of the millennials, beginning of Gen Z, zillennial, as I'm starting to see people call it. I don't know if I'm going to adopt zillennial or not. Um, but I have... Thankfully, I feel like God was leading me toward this job a long time ago, now looking back. But uh, when I was Pastor Robbie's assistant years ago, he helped me put together a podcast that we did on the Replicate podcast. Now, really ironically, this is hilarious, but we did a recap of the first 100 episodes of the Replicate podcast. We did the, the top 10 of all of those first 100, and the number one episode was the one episode that I was on, and I can forever hold that um, against Pastor Robbie. But... The reason is because we were talking about millennials. And if that tells you anything is that pastors are trying to figure y'all out. You know, they're looking at this generation that's coming behind them and thinking, how do, we, how do we reach this generation? And as I prepared for that particular podcast, one of the things that I came across over and over again was that you care about people. Uh, like you want to be part of action. You want to be a part of compassion within your community. And I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing about your generation. Like you don't want a church, you don't want a Jesus that just gets all the doctrine correct. Like you want to follow a Jesus and be like a Jesus who actually cares for people and lives out what he preaches and praise God, that's the Jesus we see in the Bible. I love that about your generation and y'all, all of scripture would tell us that that is a good desire within you. All over the place, we see that God is working to bring about justice, and one day he'll bring it completely in a new heavens and a new earth. But until that day, we work for it, and we see it over and over again in Scripture that that's the type people we're supposed to be. But 
as I've already in my son's young lives told them plenty of times, life's not always fair, right? It doesn't always feel fair. Things don't always work out the, thing, the way you think they should. Um, and the teacher goes on to dive into this a little bit more. I want to see some of his other thoughts on justice and the lack thereof within the world. This is the type of stuff he's observing, and I think we see the same things within our world that make us ask questions at times. So here, just follow the references. I'll read them to you. But the first one is Ecclesiastes 7.15. Here's what he says. In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Y'all, there's a sweet family in our church who is feeling this reality this week after the storms that we experienced last week, right? Like they feel like their daughter who was living this life following after God was taken way before they expected her to, way before they would ever dream would happen. And just on that note, her funeral is gonna be this Thursday night. And I might encourage y'all to come to that, even if you didn't know her, because in just a few years, she was gonna be you guys. You know, she was gonna be off to college and moving into her career. Think about coming Thursday night and supporting that family, whether you know them or not, because they're in the throes of this feeling right now. Like, why did our little girl who loved God get taken from us? Think about coming Thursday night and supporting that family. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. When the sentence of crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. What's he saying there? If you get away with something, you're going to do it again. And this is how we see addictions of all kinds start, right? You do something that maybe you know you shouldn't have, but you got away with it. There were no ramifications. So you push the limits again, and then you push the limits again. I mean, seemingly at times there are just no consequences for things, and people get away with stuff. Ecclesiastes 8.14, there's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. Y'all, there are too many stories to count of people who uh, are wrongfully imprisoned or anything like that where, where our justice system of the world failed them, right? Too many stories to even try to pick one to talk about. And then Ecclesiastes 5, 8. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. That's a humbling thought. For one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are other, others higher still. You know, essentially what he's saying is we, we have this system in place. We have a government who enforces the rules, and we, we have to have a system. But we can't trust people to always do what is right. And that happens because they're human just like we are. Like we're all susceptible to favoritism or bribery or whatever you can come up with to where we want to bend the rules, right? Um, that we're, we're all susceptible to that. Here's the point of it. When we look for justice just in this world, under the sun, like the teacher in Ecclesiastes says over and over again, when we're looking for it here, we're rarely going to find it in satisfying amounts. We're rarely going to see justice done well because so much of the time it's just people that are in control of justice. And y'all, I struggled, I struggled to just do justice well in my own house, right? Like just Sunday afternoon, I'm outside playing with my boys and I, I, I got on the Ford for something 
And I realized, I mean, 10 seconds later, it's like, that was not right. And I had to call him over and I apologized to him. I said, Ford, I'm so sorry for the way I talked to you just then. Really, I'm frustrated that Boone has been extra fussy here lately. And I took that out on you. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm sorry. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's one of the most humbling things, but one of the best lessons of being a parent so far is having to go apologize to your kid for something. Like I, I'm, I'm taking something out on him that's not even his fault. And then to, to pile on to me a little bit, we figure out the next day that the reason Boone, he's, eight, he's 19 months old, the reason he's been so fussy, he's got an ear infection. Like he's hurting and it's making him fussy. So on top of all that, I'm like, man, like I can't even, I got two little people in my house. And I can't even do right by them and be fair to them at all times. And just as a side note, as a Think about my frustration with my son for being fussy, y'all. Be gracious with people when they're acting out of character. Uh, let's be quick to maybe give people the benefit of the doubt. And I say that not to excuse any kind of behavior, but to just say, man, you don't know what's going on in their life. Um, you, you don't know what kind of hardships they've got going on behind the scenes that you can't see. Um, so be quick to show people grace, especially when they're acting out of the ordinary, okay? That's totally a side note, but um, that that was coming to mind as I was thinking about my son, and I I wanna make sure we do that as a people too. And let's be be quick to show grace to people, slow to condemn. Um, All of this to say, as good as our systems may be, as hard as we may try to execute justice as a people, we're never gonna do it perfectly. It's just never gonna happen under the sun. So. Our only option is to see that justice only works when it's done God's way in his timing. That is how, and the timing is a really important piece of that. God's way and God's timing is how justice actually works. Because we see, you can look at and see, it doesn't work here. It works sometimes, but it does not work all the time here. But in God's way, in God's timing, it works because God is just. God is just, it is part of his character. He does not know any other way to be other than just. Let me read to you how the teacher writes about God and his justice. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 17, just just one down from where we were reading earlier. 317, I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. That's, that's a big deal if that's true right there. Ecclesiastes 8, 12 and 13. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. Notice when he has this different perspective that he's bringing God into everything he's talking about. And it's, it's absent in other places. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. God doesn't let things slide. And that's a good thing. He doesn't just turn a blind eye to an offense. He doesn't overlook things. That's a good thing characteristic of our God. It makes me think of Cain and Abel and back in Genesis, think about these two brothers, 
Cain kills his brother Abel and God confronts him on it. Cain tries to pass it off. He said, who am I? Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. He lies about it. And God says, Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me and calls you guilty. God, God sees it all. He knows it all. He doesn't overlook an offense. He doesn't forget one. It will have its day in court. And the hard part is that that day in court, a lot of the time is in the future. It's in a day that we can't see yet. And we don't see that justice in this life, no matter how, long, how bad we may long for it. That's the, that's the beyond the sun perspective we're gonna have to have with justice. If we're gonna see justice in a satisfactory light, it's gonna have to be that I trust God that one day he will do what is right about every situation. And we can trust him that he's going to. Do we take God at his word like we just sang? Do we actually believe that? Do I take him at his word that he's gonna make it right one day? So in the meantime, if we don't see justice here and now on a particular instance, what do, what do we do? Do we just ignore injustice? Do we stop fighting? Do we stop working towards compassion initiatives? I think the resounding answer from scripture to that would be no. Like Jesus himself was the ultimate advocate for those who feel mistreated. And over and over again in scripture, when we see God talking about those who are pushed to the edges, who are cast out, that's the type of people that we care for, the ones who've been wronged. That's who as a people we're looking out for when nobody else does. There are pages of scriptures you could pull from, but I'll give you one. Deuteronomy 10, starting in verse 18. He, God, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien. He sees those people. He doesn't just let them go. Giving him food and clothing. Verse 19, you are also to love the resident alien. Since you who are resident aliens, since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. God's saying, this is the type of God I am, so that's the type of people you need to be. God cares about justice. We care about justice as his representatives. Now, most of what we've talked about so far has been kind of this big picture of justice, big picture justice issues out in the world. But what do we do with injustice that happens to you personally? What do we do with that uh, instance that is probably popping up in your head now where somebody wronged you in whatever capacity you found it in? I think there are a couple of different ways that we see in scripture that we can handle things like this. For one, you're gonna to have to trust the Holy Spirit to help you to judge what needs to be just forgiven and what things need to be addressed. Because I think, I think there's a sense in which we just need to turn the other cheek on things, right? And we need to, if it's, if it's really not that big of a deal, even though it was a wrong, there are times that we need to forgive and we move on from it. Say, man, the person was wrong in that situation, but I'm not gonna hold it over their head. I'm gonna move on from it. Because here's, there was a pastor, I think it was Bruce Frank, said it here a few years ago, talking about forgiveness. Y'all, if you're waiting for somebody to come apologize to you before you forgive them, you need to stop waiting because the apology is probably not coming. So let's be the people that go ahead and forgive in advance and, and just move on from some stuff. Just be, be the person that takes the higher road and just move on from some stuff. 
But there are some things that are a big deal. There can be ways that you have been wronged um, that are a big deal, that need addressing. And it can feel like there's this, man, our justice and forgiveness, like can we do both? Or do I just need to forgive and forget everything? And I don't think that's how scripture, that's not how Jesus would go about things. And I heard Tim Keller on a podcast talking about those two things last week. And I want to give you his thoughts on it because I think he said it really well. Um, This is a paraphrase. This is not a direct quote, but it was an interview in a podcast he was doing. Here's what he said about forgiveness and justice and how they work together. So he said, the key is that forgiveness is not the opposite of justice or a contradiction to justice. Most people try to pit the two against each other, but in fact, Forgiveness is a required condition for you truly seeking justice. I think it's really good right here. If you don't forgive before you seek justice, you won't really be seeking forgiveness. You'll be seeking vengeance. (laughs) And we know that God would say vengeance is his, right? And vengeance is a motivation that leads to excess and eats you alive while you're going after that. You'll tell yourself you're going after justice, but you'll probably go for more than what is fair. Vengeance is all about you. Forgiveness is about both parties. Justice without forgiveness isn't biblical, and neither is forgiveness without justice. Friends, if someone has truly wronged you, especially if it's a situation where there are potentially legal ramifications, you have every right to forgive that person and also bring to light what was done to you. I hope you hear a little bit of freedom in that. Now, I, I would guess, I've been around long enough to know that in a room with this many people in it, there's probably someone in here who has been wronged in a major way and you felt like you needed to sweep it under the rug for whatever reason. And I, I hope that you hear me saying, it doesn't need to be swept under the rug because justice is healthy, for both parties in a situation. Think back to Cain and Abel, the example we talked about earlier. God loves the one who was wronged and he loves the wrongdoer. So what does God do in the situation? He loves loves Abel too much to overlook his killing, but he also loves Cain enough that he's not gonna let him just stay where he is in a lifestyle that sees murder as acceptable that sees wrong and sin as acceptable. He's not just going to leave him there. And Jesus loves you too much to ignore whatever it was that was done to you, but he also loves that person who did it to you too much for them to stay where they are. Like God, God wants justice to come about in certain situations. So we do all of this with the caveat that we trust God and his timing to bring everything to light in the right timing. Because you may, you may seek out justice for something and never see it. But we can trust God in his timing. Please, please just feel the freedom not to hide something that's been done to you. Please feel the freedom as a believer not to just forgive and forget everything that happens to you, but that it's okay for you to bring things to light. And I know some of that may feel really hard because I don't know all of your situations, but I know there's hurt in here. I know there's stuff that has been done to you that probably was awful that I I couldn't even imagine. And I know that feels hard, but I hope you sense how freeing some of this could be. 
I hope you see that maybe this was the, the secret, if you will, to how Jesus could be forgiving to so many people and constantly be kind to people because I think he trusted God. It was this simple. I think he just trusted God to do what was right in the end so that he was able to see injustices happening to him and just trust God with it. Maybe it's that simple. And I'll give you the example of it in 1 Peter. He's talking about the example Jesus sets for us. In 1 Peter 2, verse 21, he says, For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, here's the key, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I think that's the key right there. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And when you do that, you can get to a place where you can say, no matter what happened to you, no matter how harsh the words may have been that were spoken to you, no matter the trust that was broken, no matter the betrayal you may have felt, you can get to a place where you can be free from that injustice because you trust the one who will one day judge justly that situation. And I know this is a little bit unorthodox, but I wanna stop for just a moment and I want to pray for that very specific thing over you. Um, if you would go ahead and bow for me and what I want you to do is just, if there is anything right now that the Lord is bringing to mind that you either need to forgive somebody of that was a big deal or a small deal, um, if there is something that he is bringing to mind that you need to forgive and you found it hard to forgive, would you just slip your hand up so that I can see it? And I promise you, you are <laughs> there, hands up all over. You are not alone in this. If there is something that you need to forgive, I just wanna pray over you for a second. God, you see these hands and you know the stories behind them. Lord, I pray that you would help each of these people to trust you, that to give them guidance in this situation if there are steps that need to be taken or Lord, if they just need to forgive and find a way to move past it. God, you, you forgive us of so much and we want to be a people that are like you, that reflect you well. And God, I pray that you would help them to trust you as the one who judges justly to leave this here to leave whatever the wrong was in this room tonight and to be able to walk away from it in forgiveness and find freedom in that. God, thank you that you provide that. Thank you that you forgave us in the first place to show us how to forgive others, Lord. We pray it all in your name, amen. Thanks for, thanks for being willing to show me that. Um, Y'all, where, where, where do we actually find the strength to do this? Where, where do we actually find the ability to have peace within injustice? And it's, it's just what we've been talking about. It's trusting the one who judges justly, but also recognizing that we, we go through the same judgment process. Think about Ecclesiastes 3.17 again. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. This is not a, this is not a them topic. Somebody out there, this is an us topic no matter which side of the line you fall on, there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. So y'all, this, this whole time so far, we've been talking about others. And we're talking about somebody that's wronged you. We've been talking about injustice out in the world. 
But in order for us to find the humility to forgive others and to find peace within this, we're gonna have to recognize that, man, we fall into that category of injustice way more than we would care to admit. Because I'm quick to want justice for somebody else, but man, do I want mercy on my situation. I want the justice for that person out there who did wrong, but when I see that I'm wrong, God, just, just forgive. Like, let's, let's skip the consequences. Can I just have mercy on whatever this is? And y'all, the, the Bible would tell us that we're, we're all in the same boat. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. We have sinned, and what, what sin means is we've done something that is an offense to a holy God. And God goes on to say that what we have earned because of that sin is death. Death in the sense of death to your relationship with God, death uh, to that being separation from God for eternity. Whenever you do die one day, that's, that's what we earn. That is the just penalty for sin. We have a just God, right? And he will do what is just. That is the just penalty. But the good news is that God is also the one who can handle both sides of the forgiveness justice coin at the same time. That's what was happening when Jesus came, right? That's what happened when Jesus came onto the scene. God saw us in all of our own injustice and the ways that we had been an offense to him in our sin. And he said, okay, I'm gonna gonna put this on Jesus, the one who had done nothing wrong, right? I wanna talk about injustice. He put that sin on Jesus. Jesus, he gave us the way to actually avoid the justice that was due to us. I wonder if you've ever thought about it in this way before. Like there was, there was a penalty that was due us. There was a cost we had to pay and, G- and God decided to charge that to Jesus's account instead of yours. That's what was happening when Jesus came on the scene, y'all. This is the pinnacle of injustice. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. You, you can find no other situation where there was more injustice than that right there. And y'all, I said earlier that God, he doesn't forget a wrong, and that is true. But, but that good news is that when you turn from your sin, that's what repentance is. When you say, I'm not gonna live that way anymore, I'm following after Jesus now, I'm done with sin in my life. That's when God says, okay, I will, I will look I will put your sin on Jesus' account and I'll say you and I'll say, yes, this is one of mine. Jesus endured injustice in order to end injustice for us. And that's what I hope you'll hear tonight. He endured injustice so that we didn't have to endure the justice that we were headed for for all of eternity, right? God, God is a good God and it is good that he is just. And I, I wanna take a moment just to let that soak in for you. Like, I don't know if maybe you've been a believer for a long time or maybe you're just considering it tonight for the first time, but I want you to let that soak in a little bit that like there was a, there was a just penalty that was rightfully ours and it was not a good one. In fact, it was horrendous. And Jesus took that away from us and he put it on himself and he conquered it. And y'all, I hope that you will, maybe you need just a fresh moment of repentance tonight to praise God and thank him for doing that for you. Or maybe you need to say, 
I need to be part of that. Like I need to be part of that kind of kingdom because the longing for justice that you have within you, that is hardwired in you. That longing is really a longing for Jesus and the kingdom that he leads. It's a longing to be with him in that kingdom for eternity because in that kingdom there will be no injustice. There will be no tears. There will be nobody that is pushed to the side. Y'all, the only thing, the only thing that you have to do in order to be part of that kingdom is to trust the one who judges justly. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that as we see you maybe in a new way tonight as a just judge, we think of you in a lot of ways, Lord, but maybe that's not one of them that we've considered before. God, you are, you are our judge and you are just and you will do what is right by you. Lord, I pray that anybody that's sitting here and realizing maybe for the first time that they are on the wrong side of that justice, that they are on the side that will pay the penalty for themselves. God, I pray that they would run to you in this moment, that, that, would say, that they would say, God, I want to trust you to pay the penalty for my sin through your son. And Lord, would you give us in this moment Lord, if there's anything that we need to repent of, that we realize, man, we've been saved from the, the, the penalty for our sin that was coming, but God, we still have ways that we mess up. God, would you bring those things to mind so that we might repent of them in this moment and move past them in this moment, Lord? God, I pray that you might speak really clearly to each of us right now in a way that we can only, and we couldn't mistake as any other voice but yours. And God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your character. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.